what we've got here is failure to communicate. From sunny Southern California, we bring you Meet Bridget, a podcast for building confident communication and female badassery. We spotlight women who have bridged the gaps in their lives by building strong relationships and speaking their teenage dreams into reality. Welcome back, one and all. We are back for another Bridge Etymology episode. If you are new, welcome. My name is Kishia Rosenberg, and alongside my bestie and Bridget founder, Asha Gabriel, I run a confidence and communication coaching platform for teen girls. Over the years, we've worked with thousands of young women in Southern California in our live workshop events, and this podcast has been an amazing way to reach an even broader audience. Our mission is to break down communication barriers between generations of women and help our audience feel empowered and confident through conscious and thoughtful communication. If you haven't been here before, you might be thinking, what is a Bridget? What a? Well, etymology is the study of the origin of words and the way in which their meanings have changed over time. We take this one step further by adding our Bridget thinking caps to the mix in order to give these words context based not only on their original meaning, but how we can apply these oft-used words in newer and more expansive ways. We created Bridge Etymologies to give you deeper context for words we hear all the time. Don't you think you ought to do something about expanding your vocabulary? So here, Bridget, we love our C words. No, get your head out of the gutter. I'm talking about the three big C's, confidence, communication, and connection. Our platform is all about developing and honing confidence and communication, but we do so via connections. We connect teens to women and vice versa. We connect storylines to end products. We believe in things coming full circle, such as teen attributes, which morph into adult success. You get where I'm going with this? So today, I want to take a few minutes to pause from our busy days to break down the word connect or connection and look at it in a new old light. Or cheap. You know anybody who can network eight connection machines and debug two million lines of code for what I bid for this job? Because if you can, I'd love to see him try. Sorry about- it's like many of our other bridge etymology words, the roots of the word connect have early Latin origins. The earliest versions of connect or connection come from the mid 15th century Latin word connectare, con meaning with and nectare meaning to bind or tie together. In the 16th century, this word became displaced by connects until connect was reestablished from the 1670s. A similar change took place in French where connexaire was superseded by connectaire, but overall it meant to establish a relationship. Over the course of the next century, slang terms like get in touch with came about from the then new phenomenon of telephone connections. The word connection also began to evoke newer versions of its definition, such as to reach the target and to awaken meaningful emotions or establish rapport. Simply put, the original meaning of connect to bind with or bind together really isn't too far a stretch from its modern definition. Today, connection is defined as a relationship in which a person, thing, or idea is linked or associated with something else. For example, the connections between social attitudes and productivity. This can translate amongst a range of different scenarios, like the action of linking one thing to another, like the connection to the internet, 
the placing of parts of an electric circuit in contact so that a current may flow, like a link between pipes or electrical components. Scores you hit that wire with a connecting hook at precisely 88 miles an hour, the instant the lightning strikes the tower. Similar words are words like attachment, joint, fastening, contact, network, messenger, reciprocity, and the list goes on. So, Based on the definition and steadfastness of its etymology over time, it might be really easy to assume that the idea of connection, or connecting, is a fairly simple one. However, a quick Google search brings up hundreds of millions of hits, dare I say billions, but I'm going to stick with millions based on what's relevant to what we're talking about. But in particular, millions of hits on Google within the business sector. Titles like How to Build Connections, Instilling Human Connection in a Hybrid Workplace, and The Powerful Connection Between Inclusion and Well-Being, Litter Forbes, begging the question, where is the disconnect? Well, there isn't a literal connection, dude. This is likely part of a much larger conversation, but this quick little foray into the general understanding of the word connection was a reminder to me that even in our current state of viral connectedness, of digital nativity and information at our fingertips, humans are actually becoming lonelier and lonelier, at least according to some of our most notable digital purveyors of information. This got me wondering if some of this was in part due to the pandemic. However, a quick review of when many of these articles were published made it pretty clear that this crisis of connection is a gap that's been widening over the course of the last couple decades. Put into perspective, the last decade or two have really been a second industrial revolution, except instead of the printing press, we have the internet and the iPhone. And even though the advent of this technology, which is connected as all in a very literal sense, like social media, smartphones, TikTok, whatever, you have it. That notion couldn't actually be further from the truth. A recent survey revealed that over three in five Americans are lonely. I'm lonely? I'm not lonely. I'm beloved by everyone in San Diego. I also looked into this, and most healthcare and insurance companies have created patient surveys which expose a growing and frankly alarming number of humans who feel lonelier than ever. They maintain that they have an inability to connect with others on a deeper, more intimate level, that they have tons of acquaintances but no best or close friends, that a lot of people feel like no one gets them, or that they have overwhelming feelings of isolation, even when they're in crowded rooms or at parties surrounded by dozens of people. This can often lead to negative feelings of self-doubt and self-worth, and this translates into feeling exhausted when trying to engage in social activities. These complaints also translate into the workplace. You're thinking this whole thing is connected somehow? So according to one of those Forbes articles I mentioned, research suggests that by 2030, 100% more time is going to be spent at work solving problems and 41% more time will be spent on critical thinking and decision making, i.e. cognitive sharpness, in which one must think clearly and rationally to problem solve and make effective decisions. So that cognitive sharpness is hugely impacted by both inclusion and psychological well-being. There's a neuroscientist who's quoted in this study named Matthew Lieberman, whose research suggested that the human brain is constantly scanning and assessing the environment for possible signs of rejection and exclusion. 
And the primary reason for this was to keep us alive and safe from threats and harm. So that was really useful when we lived in our cavemen and cavewomen days as it allowed us to recognize if we were at risk of being outcast from our tribe or from our our individual little communities, which was a direct threat to our safety and survival. It meant we're able to prioritize assessing our environment and take steps to seek acceptance and allegiance with our tribe again in order to maintain safety. But in today's modern workplace, it's not in our interest for, you know, this neurological seesaw to be tipped to social cognition as it means that your cognitive sharpness becomes compromised and we're unable to think clearly and show up as our best selves or do meaningful work because we're trying so hard to maintain our personas and maintain our position within these quote-unquote communities that we are a part of. So over time, the cumulative effects of exclusion actually wear down on a person's psychological well-being, their biological, emotional, and behavioral functioning, and it then impacts their work performance, self-esteem, confidence at work and home. To make matters worse, this feeling of isolation has substantially increased since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. So this is all feeling pretty dreary, but this got me thinking, how can we combat this pandemic of loneliness, which is clearly plaguing multiple aspects of daily life, especially in a world where we are so seemingly connected? For this, I return to the original definition of connection, a relationship in which a person, thing, or idea is linked in addition to the original etymology of the word to bind or tie together as well as to establish a relationship. Please hold, monsters Inc. I'll connect you. I like going back to this because it creates a spark of, you know, something that's actionable and addresses the original intention of the word while simultaneously rebutting the idea that just because we're seemingly connected at any given point in time, True connection requires linking two entities, binding them together through the cultivation of a relationship. And we can work on cultivating and maintaining relationships. I also think that a few of connection synonyms can be really powerful when thinking about connection in this vein, reciprocity, network, and friend. Synonyms like these are a perfect reminder that connecting with something, whether it be an idea, another human being, or yourself, you are fostering a relationship via reciprocity. How do you connect those two? I know you might be wondering how on earth you maintain connection with something intangible like an idea, but the idea is spontaneous, right? So you have an idea, it pops into your head, it's living there, what do you do with it? Well, to foster a connection with that idea, you have to feed it, put thoughts down on paper, create goals, take baby steps, Remember the practice of manifestation from a couple bridge etymologies back? Similarly, we can practice human connection in a number of ways. We do so by keeping an open mind. You know, it's really easy to automatically rule a situation out or someone out as a friend because of preconceived notions like age gaps, divergent political perspectives, or different tastes in books or music. But if you keep an open mind, you are already at step one of being open to creating a closer connection. Be the friend you'd like to have. Say yes to invitations. Be reliable. Respond to texts and voicemails in a timely manner. It's really easy nowadays with everything going on to get like a bunch of text messages from different people or emails from different sectors of the workplace, what have you. 
And that can sometimes be overwhelming. But if we break these things down into, you know, doing them one step at a time, taking the time to respond really does make a difference and go a long way. Making yourself vulnerable and being the first to show trust. And lastly, being compassionate with yourself. I think we really emphasize this in almost every single podcast episode or conversation that we have here at Bridget, that everything starts with the self-confidence, communication, and now connection. So you have to start with being compassionate with yourself and your expectations of self, and you have to reconnect with your inner being in order to be open to connecting with other people. Connections with other people help us thrive as human beings and face the slings and arrows of daily life. No one needs to or wants to or should feel completely isolated, pandemic or not, digital revolution or otherwise. That's it. That's the connection. So when we take the steps to cultivate close bonds, whether in person or virtually, personally, and or professionally, we address our human need to maintain relationships and thus our well-being. And we actually honor the original intention and meaning of the word connection by binding or tying ourselves and our ideas to one another with integrity and intention. That's all for this week, my friends. Thank you for taking the time to listen. See you next week for another season two episode of Meet Bridget. Don't miss it. And that's our show. If you liked what you heard today, please like, subscribe to, follow, and share Meet Bridget with your circle. The best way to help our work here is to rate and review our podcast. We're listening and constantly working to build something helpful for you. Catch you next time. No matter what anybody tells you, words and ideas can change the world. Thank you.